The pair you are about to hear are not professionals. Their opinions and beliefs are not that. They are just two idiots that are spitting nonsense. Hello! We are back and uh, very apologetic about the lack thereof a Saturday episode there. Um... I got uh, some family news, you know, going on. She abandoned us for a second. Yeah, yeah, I abandoned you guys for a second. Don't worry, we're going to be right back up to speed starting (laughs) up this week. But uh, I got a puppy. Yes. Yeah. Very adorable uh, little little child. Her name is Raiden, and it's the first dog. Well, I don't want to say the first dog in the house because Princess lives here, Mm. you know what I mean? But, like, uh, Raiden is a puppy, and she turned eight weeks old today. And I'm it's very, very happy. Very she's very happy. small. Yeah, she's very small. She's the size of Princess's head, like yep. a pit bull head. Like, yeah, but that, she's a pit lab mix. She's brown. She's adorable. So that's why, also, you came back from vacation. So. Yeah, yeah, I came back from vacation. I went to Vegas. That was awesome. We um, won a mini jackpot, which was awesome. Uh, altogether, we won about two grand, and then we put, like, another, like, 800 back into other, uh, like, idiots, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But at the same time, we still kept 1,200 yeah. of the... Uh, the two grand that's cool yeah so that's what your week's been up to getting puppy yeah getting puppy dealing with puppy the howling the The shitting (laughs) the pissing the playing the shark teeth all of it you know what i mean it's cute though oh my god it's like the best time of my life like i've completely abandoned work and i'm not even lying right now like i literally just haven't shown up to work and i haven't got a single call or a text from anybody (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just stopped showing up. That dog, though, it has a very ear-shattering howl. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty ear-shattering. She's the runt, so, you know, she was used to getting stepped on and stuff. So I, I think that's where she gets it from, you know? She sounds like she's being stabbed. Yeah, there's yeah, no, it's pretty there's crazy. There's no good way to put around it. It's pretty crazy, yeah. Like, um, that's, like, the only downside. But she doesn't really do it, you know what I mean? Anymore? That's, well, no, no, not anymore. Like, if you put her in the kennel while she's awake, that's one thing. But if you pick her up while she's already asleep on you and set her in her kennel, she doesn't howl or anything. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, and we can sleep through the entire night and everything. Yeah, that's good. That is good. Yeah. We... Very blessed with the pupper. <clears throat> we didn't do just... You didn't do just that, but we also went to go see Quiet Place Part 2. Yes. Which is cool. It's been a very busy week. <clears throat> yeah. Like, very busy. And then, so we forgot, also we're doing this a day earlier, so it's Tuesday right now. Yeah, it's Tuesday right now, so, you know, who knows, in the summertime we could change up the dynamic and still put it up on Wednesdays, you know, but instead of, it'll be on a regular time schedule Uh instead of that night, you know what I mean? Honestly, there's been a few things that happened over the past week, and just regardless of general. Something that we didn't cover last week that I really want to talk about is the, is CW's live action remake of powerpuff girls oh no yes yeah no that was that's pretty bad we like didn't... we were reading through the uh uh can... the oh. script like we don't have to read through the entire script no, you know but like we could just touch on the fact that the creator <laughs> had to go all the way back and rewrite the entire story because people hated it so much it was really bad and, it, there... and it was really bad and me and zach were reading some of the back and forth on the dialogue uh-huh. and it just falls so flat and it sounds so boring like it doesn't even 
pique my interest. It, it's not made by the same. It's not by made by the original creator. Who and they made and the they, animated. but they shit on the they original. Do, creator. I will get to that point. So yeah, there's some. There's just a few things I want to read off. So, uh, first off, this is like set way into the future when they're like in their twenties now. Also, Buttercup is now lesbian. Uh, you got Blossom, who has kind of gone away from her normal style and has done some weird shit. Uh, Bubbles is still doing the her normal stuff. Isn't she looks, the recovering drug she's addict? She's a recovering drug addict and also is an Instagram pop star. Yeah, or something yeah, like yeah. That. Um, <clears throat> oh, yeah, here we go. So here's something. So Bubbles says Blossom's fine. I saw her on Instagram that she has a boyfriend. I saw her <laughs> on her LinkedIn that she got promoted. And I saw on Facebook that she still talks to Grandpa despite their political differences. Buttercup says coming back here is probably, quote, unquote, triggering for her. Bubbles mm. says, why? Because she's the one who killed Mojo. <laughs> I mean, moveon.org. That's exactly what it says. These, this, it, this is just one of like the more. You can look up all this. It, you can literally read the, fir- the script before they're going to rewrite it. They, I think they shot the pilot, too, and they're going to reshoot the entire pilot. Because this- yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty horrifying, honestly. Like, uh, but at least they didn't throw their entire money away on an entire season worth of a show that fucking sucks. And they turned around and rewrote it after people were like, yo, your show sucks. And they're all like, oh, okay, let's fix it. I need to ra- find more. Oh, yeah. Uh, Buttercup says when they're gonna say uh, suit up back in their original uniform. Buttercup says, "I'm not wearing that dress anymore. It's compulsory, compulsory, Jesus, compulsory heterosexuality." Which, yeah, okay, cool. Uh, um, <clears throat> trying to look up. Oh yeah, here we go. It's like PC uh-huh. principle. Blossom out cold. Bu- bubbles and Buttercup hover over her to wake her up. Buttercup yells, "Bloss, wake up, or we'll leak your nudes everywhere." Off Buttles' confusion, that worked on you once. So they've done it that before, apparently. Also, they talk about this is post Harambe, which what the fuck? Um, then they also like, there's so many bad things with this, and and apparently everything's darker. Everything people have to have sex all the time now. Like, it, I read through, like, half the script, and I cannot believe what they came up with. Also, I'm trying to find the where they talk about Elon Musk in this. Uh, Some people just don't need to spread their opinions in the form of art. Yep. Uh, there, <laughs> like, did I show you the... I talked to you about the one where they shit on the actual creator. They yeah, say yeah, yeah. They say in the... I can't find it, but the, they say legit in the pilot that... The animated shows, the original shows, were created as propaganda for the for the real life Powerpuff Girls, which is based on which the CW is pretty much retconning all the all the stuff and shitting on Craig McCracken, the original creator of the show, saying his shit is basically propaganda for this crappy reboot. So wow, yeah, just, I, I I just can't believe it honestly, like that they would even come back. And think that it was okay to shit on the original show that is making the show that it is now. You know what I mean? Like, that's just crazy to me. Like, why they didn't work all that stuff into the story and, you know, say that it was, like, real, you know, and not, like, propaganda. Like, oh, we're completely throwing this universe out of the window. You know what I mean? Like, it's not sugar spice and everything nice. It's fucking horror and uh sexual assault and uh political correctness yeah it's it's something different i'm trying to look at who's making it because that would give me a light on who is uh m night Shyamalan. no (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, that would be super funny actually 
Not Greg McCracken. No, he's not helping. It says it's created by him, but this is like something different. Right, right. But uh, anything else in the meantime uh, that you wanted to talk no, about? No, this is the main thing. Oh, okay, here we go. Warner Bros. Television, written by he- Heather Reiner and Diablo Cody. Executive producers, Greg Bartini. Isn't that that guy uh, who yeah. stings himself? <laughs> David Craig McCracken is not involved. There you go. Yeah, see, it wasn't. No, that's Coyote Peterson. I'm 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 stupid. <laughs> oh crap! Greg Berlanti worked on Riverdale. Oh yeah, okay. So he has worked on Riverdale, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and you. So interesting. I mean, it it, it just seems like I don't think that's they really quite a repertoire. I don't actually. think they understood what the fuck they were doing with this show when they were making it. No. And I don't think it ever should have been made into a live action series. And that's pretty much it. I think I just wanted to rant on that for a second because one, this is an industry that I'm kind of falling into and two, it's shitting on an animator's original creation, which you I I I do not uh endorse in any way. Right. Yeah. Unless that creator is has some allegations, <laughs> which I, I Dan Schneider, no play. No, not Dan Schneider. Um, I was I was just kidding. Dan Schneider is a, is a different character all on his own. I know. If you really want to bring up someone with allegations, that'd be uh, John Crick Falusi, the guy who created Ren and Stimpy. But I'm not going to get into that. Um, yeah, so uh, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I'm ready to talk about the news now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome transition, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I'm ready to talk about the news now. Anyway, uh, to top it off, we have uh, an official Nintendo Gallery Museum to open in Japan by March 2024. I think that's pretty cool, you know what I mean? Cool. Even though Nintendo is a big, like... Uh, you know, money sold. It's all about the money now. Yeah, it's all about the money now with this company. They... I think them releasing a Nintendo gallery. I wonder what it, it's entailing. I think the article tells more though, doesn't it? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of classic stuff. Uh, so, like Nintendo's storied history began in 1889, and since then the company has sold more than five billion video games and over 790 million hardware units globally. Um, so, like, it's, it pretty much starts in 1889 with all this information, you know what I mean? Uh, just leading up into modern day, uh-huh. uh, so, so, yeah, like, you're gonna go through, like, your basic museum stuff, like, the founders, like, where it came from, uh, why it was named that way, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, stuff like the, the first games that they put out, of course, you know what I mean? Like, that's obviously something they're gonna probably have a whole wall just filled with Nintendo games, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. and you're just like, oh, spot your favorite, or, like, they'll have, <laughs> they'll have, uh, like, really expensive ones, like, preserved there, and stuff like that. Very much so. Like, unopened Mario, or um, something like that, like, just something fucking crazy. Yep. Uh, in a Nintendo gallery. Oh, the, which, ET, the E.T. game that supposedly yeah. should be in a uh, waste disposal right now. Right. Uh, exactly. That. But, um, yeah, I think yeah. That the, that's about it. But anyway, the project is expected to be completed in Nintendo's <laughs> 2023 fiscal year, which ends in March 2024. Oh, cool. So, yeah, that's pretty exciting. Cool. Another exciting thing, though. Yes, uh, uh, Crunchyroll Expo. You know, every summer, when the summer comes up, you'll get Crunchyroll Expos. And uh, my personal favorite, you know, Crunchyroll Awards. I love that. Oh, yeah. But uh, as the the wheel turns, you know, uh, 
2021 uh, announced new guests and musical acts. So uh, Crunchyroll is once again going virtual for this year's Crunchyroll Expo, but that's not stopping the premiere event from streaming uh, the service to add uh, big names when it comes to both anime voice acting and musical acts that have helped create some of the biggest tunes in the medium. Nice. Yeah, in a recent press release, Crunchyroll released a new list of names uh, being added to their event to take place from August 5th to the 7th, which will allow anime fans to witness panels and performances uh, from some of their favorite anime attractions absolutely free. As a uh, result of the coronavirus pandemic, Crunchyroll, along with several other anime conventions, decided to take their annual event online, presenting fans with several events and interviews digitally in order to, quote-unquote, social distance successfully. Um, The new musical acts include uh, The Burnout Syndromes, Seven Billion Dots, Magic of Life, and Rhythmic Toy World. If you're unfamiliar with these bands, Burnout Syndromes has worked on the openings for Haikyuu, uh, Dr. Stone, and, or yeah, Haikyuu and Dr. Stone, Seven Billion Dots created opening themes for Boruto, Naruto Next Generations, and Grand Blue Fantasy. Uh, Magic of Life created hits for Joker Game and uh, Yawamushi Pedal, while Rhythmic Toy World created the opening theme for Yawamushi Pedal Glory Line. Mm. Uh, on the voice acting side of things, Crunchyroll announced that Bryce... Uh, Papnabrook, the voice of Inosuke for Demon Slayer, Aaron Yeager for Attack on Titan, and Kirito for Sword Art Online would be joining festivities. The company also made note that Zeno Robinson, the voice of Hawks in My Hero, Ogan in Fire Force, and Garfield in ReZero would also be part of the digital convention taking place this summer. Um, VCRX is a digital fan festival that celebrates all things anime. Uh, featuring unique panels, exclusive merchandise. Uh, so remember, August 5th through 7th, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube streaming. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They'll be on Twitch. They'll be on their own website. They'll be all over the place online, just blasting the information out. Sending out emails if you're already a Crunchyroll fan. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. yeah. Pretty excited about that, but uh, something that we're both really excited about is these new story details for Spider-Man No Way Home. Spider-Man No Way Home is shaping up to be a really fun film if they just don't fuck it up like they did with the last last, uh, third Spider-Man film. Gotcha. Uh, I was like, oh, you didn't like the you didn't like the second Spider-Man in the series. I thought that's where you were going with that. You mean Amazing Spider-Man Two? No, not about? the Amazing Spider-Man Two. I'm talking about Tom Holland's. Spider-Man. Oh no, no, not, I like uh, Andrew Tom. Garfield. No, they uh, with with Amazing Sp- with the Spider-Man Three, they put too many villains in it. And what they're doing with this one, it seems like they're putting the same kind of amount of villains. But they're trying to remake the Sinister Six from what it looks like. Um, some new story details for Spider-Man No Way Home have surfaced, and they offer information on the villains of the story. This includes the confirmed return of Alfred Molina as Dr. Octopus and Jane Fox as Electro. It's also being reported that Willem Dafoe will show up as the Green Goblin, which is going to be awesome. I know in that sexy-ass green suit, man, <laughs> his tight ass. In that. <laughs> in, that, in that goblin suit, dude, the thickness, mm-hmm. I got a sickness, bro. Like, I in cannot. fact, it's said that he will actually be leading the villainous Sinister Six in the film. So that means we're seeing the Sinister Six. That includes Dr. Octopus, uh, Mysterio on well, occasion. Well, I'm a bit of a scientist myself. <laughs> <What are you laughs> t- 
Uh, Doctor Octopus, Electro, Green Goblin. Uh, what else? Um, Craven the Hunter occasionally. Mysterio though, which I don't know if he'll be in this one. Vulture, Scorpion. Uh, <laughs> why do you have to bring up the meme? <laughs> Oh, man. Just because that's what I was talking about, and I wasn't sure if you do. Oh, man. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. myself yeah. Um, and Rhino, but I don't know if they're going to be... They haven't been rumored yet. A lot of fans have been wondering how these villains are going to be from different Spider-Man films will be incorporated in the story. Um, but thanks to a podcast called The Snyder Cut, we have a possible answer, because Snyder shared, I had heard that the, the No Way Home wasn't a reference to Spider-Man, but the villains that the villains are coming out of these different alternate dimensions and that they don't have a way home. Mm, so Spider-Man is at home, even though yeah. all of his... All of his uh, villains are coming from alternate... I was going to say all the fucking stories had to do with being at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's definitely an interesting concept to play with. The Sinister Sticks... The Sinister, the Sinister Six. Sticks. The Sinister yeah. Six will be made up from of villains from alternate universes, which will be really cool. Because we've got Jamie Foxx from uh, the Amazing Spider-Man universe, but then we also have Green from Goblin. Project Power. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Foxx from Project Power. Oh, man. Um, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, so according to the report, the other villains will include Thomas Hayden Church as Sandman from Spider-Man 3. Rias Ethan. Same guy? Yeah. Okay. okay. Rias Ethan's as Lizard from Amazing Spider-Man and Paul Giamatti as a Rhino from Amazing Spider-Man. Can he just be uh, the blue bad guy <laughs> from uh, that movie with uh, the fucking kid from Malcolm in the Middle? Which one that lost his memory? Big Fat Liar. Yeah, Big Fat Liar. Oh that, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I, I still think Paul Giamatti should will come in as Rhino. I wonder what they're going to do. Or with he could fuck a mermaid on camera. <laughs> No, we are not going through Lady <laughs> in the Water again. Um, as for the involvement of Willem Dafoe, after the rumor hit, another source backed up the claim. Maybe Willem might be the friend <sighs> in this one. <laughs> you gotta stop. I'm sorry. Molina revealed that his story in No Way uh, Home will pick up Doc Ock's story from that moment in the river that ended the Sam Raimi directed. So it's right when he fell into the river at the end. It will pick up right after that, apparently. Right. Uh, in a separate recent interview with Variety, Sony Pictures Motion Group president Sanford Panish uh, teased that the film will reveal Sony's plan to connect their films to the MCU. When asked about the possibility of Spider-Man interacting with the villains that have existed in the Sony universe of comic book films, including Venom, Carnage, Morbius, and the upcoming Kraven the Hunter film, Panish said, There actually is a plan. I think now maybe it's getting a little more clear for people where we're headed, and I think No Way Home comes out. Even more will be revealed. So that means we're going to see tie-in with the Sony villains into this universe, which was going to be... We're going to finally see Venom. A good... I, I want to see Ve the Venom versus Spider-Man. I would really yeah, like Yeah, yeah, that would that. be really exciting. Uh, but you know what's not exciting? The fact that Eminem just popped into my head and it won't fucking leave. Why, why do you have to bring... <laughs> venom venom <laughs> stop <laughs> you keep saying venom dude like i don't know i've had too much sugar today i think i really think that's it yeah, or uh, yeah yeah i just don't have the attention span today. i I'm think sorry, this bro. is gonna be good but this is like set five years off i guarantee it yeah uh if this is true it'll certainly be interesting for these villains to face off tom holland spider-man in the mcu benedict cumberjack such strange will also be involved to help spider-man through the crazy next crazy adventure also it's been rumored that Charlie Cox's Daredevil is going to make an appearance in this film. Charlie which, Cox. Which that, tie, that, that officially 
that officially confirms that the Marvel Netflix films are tied into the MCU somehow. If that's true. So, yeah. Uh, that's exciting. That's very exciting. I'm hopefully, hopefully more, a trailer comes Disney out soon. Disney just swallows <laughs> Sony. Oh, my like, God. Sony, Netflix, all of them. Um, right. They just are one big conglomerate. We're all just run by Disney. <laughs> Walt Disney's head is frozen somewhere in Futurama. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home swings into theaters December 17th. So yeah, uh, since we're still in Marvel news, uh, there is more. There is more to talk about. Since is yes, Black- deny Guerrera. Yes, Black Panther, Wakanda, whatever. Uh, the role of Okie, uh, Danaya Guerrera reprising her role as Okie in the second film, as as well getting her original spinoff series. Um, Danaya Guerrera is set to reprise her role as Okie in MCU in the two upcoming projects. Okie, who is the general of the Dora Milaje, I think is how you say it, Milaje. Or it was said. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we'll be appearing in Marvel's upcoming film, Black Panther: Wakanda What Forever, and she will be also getting her own original spinoff series, Wakanda Forever, which will be coming to Disney Plus. Uh, while it's not surprised that she'll be appearing in the Black Panther sequel, which is being written and directed by Ryan Coogler, it is a surprise to learn that she is getting her own series. A few months ago, it was announced that a Black Panther spinoff series is coming to Disney+, and that will be set in the Kingdom of Wakanda. It's unclear if this project or if this is completely a different one. Coogler is also developing the previously announced spinoff. So yeah, I think it's going to be cool to explore the depth of this character and whatnot, as well as it's probably going to go in depth with Wakanda itself, the kingdom. Right, right. And, and the backstory. Which yeah. honestly needs more uh, definition. Yes. Uh, especially back in uh, the early days of Wakanda. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a nice, uh, cool way to throw in like a prequel about like the world's most powerful nation. Yes. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever is currently scheduled to open theaters July 8th, 2022. Um, so, we probably won't see a trailer for it until next year. <clears throat> probably. Yep. Uh, since we're moving, since we're in Marvel, we're gonna move into the realm of DC. This is a surprise. I did not see this coming. I don't think Jasmine saw this coming. Uh, I thought this was pretty cool. I thought this is really cool, and I, I didn't know. So Joker, t- Joker is apparently getting a sequel called Joker Two, <laughs> uh, which is just working title. Joker Two reportedly being written by the original movie's director. Joker Two will reportedly see Todd Phillips, who directed and co-wrote the original Joker movie, to return to co-write the sequel for Warner Bros. First off, it wasn't said there was going to be a sequel. Now apparently there is going to be a sequel. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix is coming back, or if they're. I don't know what they're going to do. You don't think he he's he'd come back? Because I Joaquin think Phoenix come- has stated that he doesn't like to do films that are franchises. Because it, it, it tarnishes, like, I don't know. It, it, he, he... Joaquin Phoenix uh, can suck a fat D, honestly, <laughs> because half of his movies fucking suck because he only chooses weird roles. Yeah. A new report says Todd Phillips, who directed and co-wrote the original Joker movie, has been brought to officially co-write Joker 2. The first film, which starred Joaquin Phoenix as a titular supervillain, widespread critical acclaim, won several major awards, including an Academy Award for Best Actor and a leading role for <laughs> Phoenix. Sequel is highly anticipated by fans since the original release. Co-written by Scott Silver and director Todd Phillips, Joker put a, it, it goes into like the entire idea and how it's been uh, uh, criticized and how it's been controversial. 
According to the report by THR, Phillips will return to pen the script for the next Joker installment. It's unclear whether or not original co-writer Silver will be coming back for the sequel, but Phillips' return suggests he will also likely be directing Joker 2. Warner Bros. has announced a large number of new, relatively independent DC film projects over the past year, and it should be interesting to see how Joker's unique style fits into those future plans. So, yeah... It does not say anything about it, but this maybe we'll see it tie in to the new Batman film. Maybe. 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 I, I don't know. Honestly, it, it's gonna it's a while off, so Right. Yeah. All right. Something that's not as long off, you know, uh, Green Lantern series on HBO Max uh, has confirmed that Jeremy Irving will be playing Alan Scott. Uh, Alan Scott's Green Lantern. So yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. pretty exciting. Um, uh, the actor who is perhaps best known as John Randolph Bentley in the Born TV series spinoff, uh, Treadstone said he is very excited to join the DC Universe alongside a quote uh, familiar to any fan of Green Lantern. Uh, in brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. <laughs> Irving's post read, which itself is part of the Green Lantern Oath popularized by uh, DC Comics. Let those who worship evil's might mm-hmm. and beware my power Lantern. in Green Lantern's, Lantern's light. light. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, Alan Scott first appeared in All-American Comics number 16 as the first Green Lantern, and while the character only grew more and more popular in the decades following that debut, it was his 2010s rebranding where the character was written as a- an out-gay superhero that launched him into new stardom. Uh, this gay Alan Scott was from Earth 2, but DC later retroactively made the original Alan Scott gay as well, effectively establishing him as the first gay superhero in DC Comics. Irving will join uh, American Horror Story actor Finn Whitrock, who was recently cast as Guy Gardner, in the show uh, whenever it comes out. Uh, Green Lantern's first season will consist of 10 episodes, each one hour long, and the show is set to reinvent invent the DC property through a story spanning decades and galaxies. Awesome. Yeah, I know, like Loki. <laughs> Uh, anyway, beginning on Earth in 1941, in the very first Green Lantern, presumably uh, Irving's Alan Scott, the series is being co-written and executive produced by Greg Berlanti, Seth Graham Smith, and Mark Guggenheim. Graham Smith will serve as the showrunner. While waiting for the show to hit HBO Max, you can go and check out all the DC movies and TV shows uh, on the platform yeah, yeah. available Max. on the platform right now and so. slated for 2021 and beyond yeah yeah because they have those two because they have the hubs on hbo max and when oh. you go there it'll show you like all the new stuff that you're expecting in the hub and all the uh I, the dc it, hub. if you're I mean, waiting for this show and you want to watch a dc live action show i recommend doom patrol that is all i will say and it has three a third and fourth season coming as well Right. Which is really cool. Uh, uh, since we're talking about uh, seasons coming out, uh, we'll talk about sequels coming out as well as The Quiet Place Part 2 came out over this weekend. We both saw it. It was great. Um, and Emily Blunt has just teased out that there's going to be a third film, which, of course, the film kind of yeah, pretty of course, much it, is... Like, it, it sets <laughs> off like as a prequel and then cuts back into a sequel and then cuts off before anything really yeah. happens. This was ta- this article was taken before the film came out Friday, so this was from last Thursday. Right, because we went to go see it on Sunday, and uh-huh. then I went and saw it again today. Yeah. 
but she basically kind of just says, uh, uh, asked about the sequel was designed as a second entry in the, the trilogy. <clears throat> she, she responded, why not? I always said, when we were approaching this one, I said, I think you need to think of this not as a sequel, but this as chapter two. This is just a continuation. I think there is such an investment in this family, such mileage for expansion on this kind of extraordinary world, that this is a continu that this is uh, the continuation as the family have yet to venture out. The story ventures out, the world gets bigger, but I think I always felt he was still going to write something muscular and intimate and intense, and I think there's room. So basically, she said, yes, there's more room for this. And then... I think that we should just warn everybody of the real danger in the world, and that is sharp nails and bear traps, okay? Oh, my God. Like, they... <laughs> You should really watch out for those guys because yeah. uh, you should pay attention to where your uh, your feet are going, especially if you're not wearing shoes. Uh -huh. So um, yeah, very yeah. Much that's so. that's just my 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 two cents on that. But everybody, go see a Quiet Place Part Two. We're gonna have that as one of our uh, spinning spoilers, spoilers for you guys. Point. Yeah, so um, that's gonna be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. So that's pretty exciting. But yeah, everybody, go see this movie. It is uh, really good. It is good, just like the first one. Yep. Um, yeah. Something else that's fucking good and real fucking exciting. Yes, yeah, like is this next story out doing a bunch of cool projects, such as making a live action Invincible movie, but also working on the Invincible animated show. Mm -hmm. And now he's coming out and working on a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie in 2023. Rated R. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I hope it would be. I know, I know. That would uh, be so fucking cool if they actually had the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fucking cutting people in half in sewers <laughs> with swords. Oh my god! Like, and there's fucking turtle blood going oh all over the god. place and shit, you know what I mean? And like, they should change the color. They should make it like blue or some blue, shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what color? Green, one. green, just make it green. Uh, they, this is an animated film, and it will be released on August eleventh, twenty twenty three. Turtle blood is red. Oh damn! Yeah, of course it is. There's there, blood is pretty much red all over. Well, no, no. There's like there's different blood colors. Blue blood and her and hermit and hermit crabs. Not hermit. Is it hermit crab? No, horseshoe crabs. Um. Seth Rogen announced in 2023 release date for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles adaptation he's producing. Though is not too much known about Rogen's take on the story, he has stated that it will be an animated coming-of-age film aimed at teenagers and kids and produced through Nickelodeon, of course. The intended audience and backing from Nickelodeon means that this won't be the typical stoner comedy that fans have come to expect from Rogen. Uh, the film will also be a typical in that it will be animated, unlike the Michael Bay produced 2014 and 2017 movie adaptations, or even the 1990 films. While Bay's first TMNT film did well at the box office, it received low audience scores and was panned for taking itself too seriously and being too dark to match this source material. Very much so. Well, the source material originally is pretty dark, originally. Like, the original comics. But then it kind of went lighthearted after that. Prisino Hema are green-blooded skinks. Which is a type of lizard that has green blood. Okay. Just a fun fact. After a second run at the franchise failed to take in half the box office of his predecessor, the series was scrapped, opening for the door for someone else to come in and take a fresh run at the characters. Now that Rogan has taken its reins, the TMNT story promises to go in a new direction. 
Rogan has posted an image on Twitter that served a release date announcement, letting fans know the movie would premiere on August 11, 2023. The image looks like a piece of paper from Leonardo's notebook that has been covered in class notes, folded up and shoved into an untidy backpack. The following... The follow-up post confirmed the release date. Rogan also included a quick aside stating, Leo takes notes like I used to. Basically, it's a picture that shows, like, Leo's notes of uh, what's going on, I guess, in a sense. And it has a bunch of shit, but I think these are also notes for the movie itself, which I think is really cool. Um, There's a bunch of stuff in here that I can really go through. (laughs) I thought was gonna. What are you looking up? (laughs) Blue blood. All right, like just leave me alone, man. It's just it was just fucking photoshopped red blood cells turned blue, and I'm done. Okay, I just wanted to know about red blooded animals and blue blooded animals and green blooded animals. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Like I will just go off about this for like six hours, bro. All right, so. Uh, you could look through this paper. There's a lot of stuff on here. I'm not going to read it all. Um, but yeah, uh, this movie is slated for August 11th, 2023, which is cool. Um, that's only like two years off, but it is an animated film, so it's going to take some time. Yeah, Yeah. anything good is worth the wait, guys. And something that's worth the wait is Dark Horse starting a fucking game division to turn comics into AAA games. Yay. Yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe they'll they'll just instead of dominating the movie realm the way that uh, Marvel does, maybe DC will dominate the the game realm because Marvel doesn't really have like the DC, best games. DC you know has I mean? done a good good job dominating the mar- the animated movie realm in the sense. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm I'm saying live action movies. You know what yeah. I mean? You, everybody knows that uh, Marvel does way better than DC does in yes. uh, box office. It makes so, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I'm 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 just saying, like this would be something that is pretty cool. But uh, they're trying to make AAA games, so that's fucking cool. As reported by VentureBeat, Dark Horse has opened a new Dark Horse Games division out of Oregon and Shanghai with the intent of bringing its books, which include properties like Hellboy, Sin City, Three Hundred, Umbrella Academy, and more, mm-hmm. to games. That's so exciting. According to uh, Dark Horse Games general manager Johnny Lee, the plan currently is to work with top developers on games based on Dark Horse's most famous books, presumably titles like Hellboy. All the while, Dark Horse will build an internal studio to create games based on either newer books or properties or older books that are less well known. Uh, We have evergreen properties like Hellboy, where there will always be interest in making games and doing collaborations. Uh, We and our partners can really evaluate if a story, IP, and character universe would be a good fit for games uh, that they're internally designing and developing. Lee says Dark Horse is already in late-stage discussions with several AAA game developers and says if deals go well, fans will start seeing its characters in major video games. No later than the end of quarter one next year. Um, Dark Horse has found great success in letting creatives take their books for a spin. Titles like Hellboy and 300 have been adapted into some great movies directed by filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro and Zack Snyder, respectively. While other titles like Umbrella Academy have successfully adapted to Netflix. I want uh, From Software to make a Hellboy game. They're the guys that make Dark Souls. (laughs) I want Quantic Games to make a Hellboy. (laughs) Oh man! Um, Detroit become Hellboy. No, oh, jeez. <laughs> too many, too many genre blending right, right there. Right. Um, 
Shit. Uh, since we're talking about developers and stuff, Bungie is a developer that is being big right now as they hi are hiring people for a new IP, for a new multiplayer action game that's in early development. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bungie, if you don't know, is famous for creating the Halo series as well as creating the Destiny series. Um, and a couple months ago, a job listing appeared for a multiplayer systems designer at Bungie who would work on a brand new game at the company. Now another listing has been posted looking for an incubation sandbox designer or someone to design a combat system from a multiplayer action game, which will be a new IP for the Destiny developer. Are you... <laughs> this is what it says. Are you on a mission to create games that bond players together into deeply invested communities? The job listing asks. Do you spend your time thinking about how different game mechanics can come together to create amazing team play moments? Are you excited to learn how to make gameplay that strongly cares about player intention, action game feel, and readability? If you've answered yes to some or all of the bombardment of questions, you may be who Bungie is looking for. You can apply to the job over here. Uh, note that the game in question is currently an incubation, which means an early in development. Could this listing and one of the couple months ago be related to the same game? Uh, pretty much, this is uh, yes, I'm guaranteeing it. Um, and I, oh man, but uh, yeah. Um, in other news, though, I mean, this is something cool. Uh, I saw some speculations that this could be like an Overwatch-like game, which I I don't. I mean, it would be cool, but I hope it's not. I want it to be something more unique and interesting. Um, <laughs> I do. You said, uh, yeah, Overwatch, but <laughs> negates everything that you just said nice about Overwatch. You know? I, I played Overwatch. I think it's fun, but it, play, it plays the same same thing as... It's a 3D version of League of Legends, where you have top, bottom, main, and you go through those, and you have different characters that help with those, either mm -hmm. being support or tank or, or, or someone that is close right, range. the DPS and pretty, fucking pre just... Yeah, yeah, pretty much that. And I, I like I find those games fun, but they're very, very repetitive, and you have to put mm -hmm. your time and effort into them. I'm hoping Bungie doesn't do something similar like that, and more so they make something more original, which I know is hard, hard, harder these days, but it would be more interesting to see. Um, but they have also... Bungie is also kind of in the talk again, because uh, Capcom's producer, Peter Fab, uh, Fabi, geez, Fabiano has moved from Capcom to Bungie. Yeah. So not not long ago, Cap Capcom was floundering somewhat for big titles beyond Monster Hunter. In recent years, however, several Capcom series have risen to glory once more, with the new Resident Evil titles leading to awesome cosplay moments and other... Jesus, why are you, why are you doing that? Huh? <laughs> I see you over there. Um... <laughs> switching out words right now uh <laughs> titles leading to awesome cosplay moments and other expressions love her fans at the helm of several recent resident evil successes uh including resident evil 7 and resident evil village was peter Fa uh, fabiano as the producer of several of capcom's recent hits and an important member of company before that fabiano has brought several wins to capcom now however he is moving on to a different company Fabiano announced on Twitter that he has left Capcom and is now a producer at Bungie, thanking his co-workers at Capcom and announcing his anticipation to begin working at the studio behind Destiny. This change comes to... I wonder how much of a raise they gave him. 
well, probably a fair bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, this comes on the heels of major success for the producer in Resident Evil Village is an excellent reception by most players. The success of Village bodies well for future Capcom products. So Fabiano's change of company comes at a bit of surprise, and the reason behind is currently unknown. Money, more than likely. Uh, money, 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 money. As this writing, it is not known if Fabiano is producing any new projects or was brought on solely to contribute to Destiny. Probably new products. Uh, projects honestly it feels like maybe he's gonna work on some of like destiny stuff as well but uh it, destiny 3 i don't even they're I, just gonna skip the rest of destiny 2's <laughs> updates like they're just like you honestly know what? actually we're just gonna throw these out the door and we're gonna work on destiny 3 they're gonna, and it's gonna be like destiny but better they're gonna melt destiny 2 like rockstar doing with gta 5 until it's dead and then they're gonna work move on to what they're doing next yeah uh on it i think peter peter fabiana is going to be put on to this new project and then future projects in the future i don't know what the hell bungie has planned for i i want one guy one guy bonkai bonkai um but yeah um since we're talking about directors going around and moving, Cyberpunk has uh, 2077 a while ago lost their game director and has found a new game director. Uh, Gabriel, God, this last name, Amatenglo. Amatangelo. Amatangelo, there you go. Following former Quest director, um, <clears throat> Mantugas, oh, Jesus, these names. Uh, uh, yeah, Matus. Let me see the Tomas Tom, Tomashewitz. <laughs> okay. Tomashewitz. He stepped down from the role, leaving CD Projekt Red entirely. But they found a new game director who joined back in the studio in January 2020. He joined the team as creative director of Cyberpunk 2077. Prior to that, he worked on several major RPG experiences, including Dragon Wayne, Dragon Age Inquisition. Dragon Age Inquisition. Dragon Age Inquisition's expansions, which he did. Much to tie the base game together and Star Wars or the Old Republic. So basically, he knows what he's doing, essentially. Right, right, right. With this RGB, RPG background and ability to tie in an ongoing story flawlessly, his leadership could be amazing things for Cyberpunk 2077's future following the chaotic launch. Uh, it also has been said that their profits are down since the 2021, which makes sense since they had a disastrous release at the end of the year. Um, but I think the free updates might help a little bit it has gotten better honestly i played it after the 1.2 patch and the experience on the xbox one has greatly increased there of course is still bugs i can tell there are but it is much much better than it was before cyberpunk 2077 <laughs> um adam badass did you really <laughs> that? I, that that stuck out to me so much um, the former Cyberpunk 2027 game director has stepped down from this role, focused on other aspects of game de development under CDPR umbrella in a different leadership position. Uh, so basically what's going on with management right now is they're going around and flip-flopping all their shit, trying to fix it. Um, which I think is good because their management was garbage for Cyberpunk. And if they didn't have that bad management, I think the game could have come out better. Also, if they pushed it off... 
I don't know, six months, it would have been fine. <laughs> I told you. Like, I was just like, oh, this game's gonna do really bad, and guess what? Like, it did well, but it's really bad. It did well, like, but the bugs really output for, like, right, just right. the story like that... in general, and the <laughs> gameplay in general. It just, for me alone, because I got this game for free for Christmas, so I didn't have to pay money out, so I didn't feel regret from doing that. Um, it just, I was hoping this game would, would like, just come out good. Uh, which sucks with me because I always have anticipation for games that I want to come out good and then they come out and they're right. not always great. I mean, the most recent one, like I said, Biomutant has mixed reviews, in my opinion. I like it. I think it's good. I think there is changes that come to it, but we'll talk more about that uh, later down this uh, podcast. But I think for right now, yeah, we're I think take uh, a break. That's it for... Uh before the break guys uh, if you stick around that would be tight you know uh we like we like doing this for you guys it's pretty awesome um oh guys is this the 90s right now oh yeah, man, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the new show no i'm kidding uh, no. all right guys. <laughs> all right we'll see you after the break And we are back and oh, staying yes. hella weird. Yes, very much so. Yes. But, uh... We're in more gaming news. Yes, back into the gaming news. T- today, we've had a, a majority gaming news kind of podcast, you know? So, that's uh, just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. Am I right, Zach? Am I right? Yes. Okay, all right, all right. A little too excited. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> all right, so, um, former... People Can Fly. Mm-hmm. People Can Fly is the name of a uh, studio. Yes. So former People Can Fly devs form uh, I'd Grubby or Grooby? Grooby. We'll say, we'll say Grooby. Grooby Entertainment to make new a new uh, first-person shooter. So a small group of staff from Bulletstorm and Gears of War Judgment developers, People Can Fly, have splintered off to create their own studio, Grooby Entertainment. A report from Game Industry uh, reveals that the team is set to work on a brand new first-person shooter franchise, which isn't a surprising move for developers with such an action game pedigree. Uh, Ruby is set to work with publisher Super.com, and has uh, that has pr- previously released games like uh, Raji, an ancient epic, Retro Machina, and Alchemist Adventure, which I don't recognize any of those games, but all of them have really good titles. I have played Bulletstorm. Have you? Bulletstorm is fucking crazy. Well, I recommend... Uh, well, I... Not recommend. I recognize Gears of War, obviously. Judgment, even. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, and Bulletstorm. Bulletstorm. Like, I recognize them, but I was talking about the these three right here. Ra- Raji, an ancient epic, Retro Machina, and uh, Alchemist Adventure. They sound like mobile games. I don't know. I know they, they do are. sound like mo- mobile games, like <laughs> Candy Crush. Mm-hmm. Adventures, but anyway, uh, alongside publishing duties, Super.com will also be providing consultation and mentorship as Groovy Entertainment strikes out on its own. Poland-based Groovy Entertainment was founded by X People Can Fly developers. Uh, excuse me for this, uh, Gregors, Gregors, Mikalak, Carol, Saiska, Saiska, and Camille. Misiewicz, 
in 2020. Uh, the reason for their departure was not revealed, but according to the report, the studio is also staffed with developers with experience in a variety of games from independent to AAA titles. Nice world, <clears throat> nice world of Warcraft uh, uh, characters that you got there. Yeah, thanks. In <laughs> a uh, uh, quote regarding the new studio, uh, Missia Wick said... We are thrilled to expand our team and knowledge base and show the world a fresh approach to action games. The studio aims to create solid, high-calorie gameplay for hardcore players, granting them action-packed hours of entertainment accompanied by crucial and meaningful decisions. Which I like the sound of, you know. That sounds pretty good, like decision-based games. Mm -hmm. Love that. Uh, given that the studio only officially formed last year, it's likely to be a while before we see anything come out of the little fledgling team. But if you're interested in first-person shooters, this could be a team to keep your eye on. Give it five years. I don't know how long. It's going to take Maybe. a while for, for a three-person team. Yeah. Most definitely. To yeah. start open. Uh... And it's a, if it's a first-person shooter, then it's going to take a bit of time. Depending right. on what direction they go with the the, 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 the graphics. So. Right, but speaking of graphics, dude, uh, this developer used Unreal Engine 5 to render 10 billion polygons of his dog having a nap. Like, it was, it was insane. But he's an indie game developer uh, who used an early access version of Unreal 5. And most importantly, they were able to load over a thousand instances of the scan and maintain a frame rate of 60 FPS. It looks which is, like fucking crazy like in, with how much in the small little play test that they had on this video they had the the developer basically showed off what he could do and he had this very high rendered near really like it was photorealistic really very photorealistic but it was it, i was still able to tell the difference well but yeah then, no no same like because uh every time you'd see movement it would uh unlock its pixels you mm -hmm. know what i mean and uh then whenever it would stop it'd like lock in yeah but then as, as it zoomed out there was more instances of it and it really fucked with our brains at first we yeah we were like what the hell is going on and then it kept going i was like oh there are instances like yeah, no, really that was cool. absolutely insane. But uh, it was a thousand instances of his dog, Ziggy. Um, Taylor Loper, the one-man team that makes up Cat Interstellar, developed Ionized Games, uh, <clears throat> posted a short video clip to Twitter showing this video. And uh, each one of those meshes were created using a 10 million polygon photo scan, meaning the whole scene contains 10 billion polygons. Uh, this was achieved using the new Nanite meshes, which allow developers to import film industry quality art into the engine to be used in the creation of assets, which I think is fucking awesome. Like, that's a really cool addition to uh, Unreal Engine 5. Yes, very, very uh, good. The hardware loper used to render this is good, but not particularly Space Age. A Ryzen 7 5800X, an RTX 3070XC, uh, and uh, 32 gigs of RAM. Uh, and they, this didn't even begin to max out his system. Loper tweeted, "Any 10 series card or newer is gonna see something mind, uh, see some mind blowing enhancements." That's good to hear. <clears throat> I know, right? Uh, the process also took a surprisingly short amount of time. Loper says it, it took uh, 10 minutes to take the required 122 pictures of his dog, and 21 minutes to import them into a piece of software to clean the images up. It costs $1.68 to export the model with a 4K texture. This kind of ease and costs, uh, as well as the lack of strain on PC hardware, points to Unreal Engine 5's huge potential among small developers as well as AAA studios. 
Unreal Engine 5 was announced back in May 2020 with particular emphasis on the Nanite technology that helped create its virtualized geometry. Uh, demonstrated in Unreal's first demo, though uh, through realistically rocky caves, while that demo, Lumen in the Land of Nanite, wasn't a real game, it was playable. Rather than a pre-render, the video was played in real time on a PS5. So, Good to hear. Yeah, no, it's just... Uh, the, these pre-tests that I, that we keep hearing back from mm-hmm. from indie developers and stuff like that and people who get their their hands on the as, as test subjects you know uh, it shows really promising it comes out for public use uh, next year though yeah but it'll probably be released for in uh, the AAA studios at the end of this year and then we're gonna see very big mm-hmm. uh, jumps and uh, developed in games yeah. for like later 2022 early 2023. And then on. <laughs> I know, it's fantastic the the way that the future is going. Uh, I was I was just uh, having to tell my mom that I am taking the online uh, <clears throat> university that's close to me, and yeah. uh, the class takes place in VR, so I have to buy a nice VR headset. Oh yeah, you told <clears throat> me about that. Which yeah. is just absolutely phenomenal, like because they want to like. Uh, mess with AR and VR a lot. Uh, Please use VR chat. <laughs> you can make your own model characters and the people who have their already their own model characters, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. They come in, you're just going to see a floating head with arms or something like that. Right. Woogity woogity woo. Yeah, you, but... Uh, you have the, we- you have the of course, the, the, the weeb who has their... Uh, their uh, anime uh, PFP. Well, yeah. Yeah. Ooh, woo. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, <clears throat> that's going to be really cool. Just the future of video games. I know we keep talking about the future of the video game industry, but it's like a very important subject to be talked about, especially here, you know, uh, on a podcast that specifically is for, you know, nerds. Nerds. Yeah. Anybody who likes science, science, right, and comic books, <laughs> pretty and, much like, and uh, movies, yeah, and pop culture, and I don't know. That's pretty much. A, right, there's right, a lot there's, of stuff. Not too too much, you not know. Too like, much. but I feel like we offer a good variety of uh-huh. stuff, you know. Uh, even though it specifically strays towards uh, video games, but speaking of yeah. Nintendo, offers a wide variety. Uh, but, yeah, but fuck Nintendo right because now. Because it's all about the money. <laughs> right. Uh, ROM site owner made thir- made uh, $30,000 a year, and now uh, owes Nintendo $2.1 million. So, uh, the now empl- unemployed owner of a shuttered uh, ROM distribution site has been ordered to pay $2.1 million in damages to Nintendo after trying and failing to defend himself in the case. In September 2019, Nintendo filed a lawsuit against Los Angeles resident Matthew Storman over his operations of ROMUniverse.com, which offered prominent downloads of Nintendo Switch scene ROMs and other copyrighted game files. At the time, Nintendo said that the site had been among the most visited and notorious online hubs for pirated Nintendo video games for over a decade. Uh, Storman has admitted that in 2019, the site uh, made up the bulk of his 30000 to 36000 a year in income. This included direct revenue from the sale of premium unlimited accounts, 
for $30 per year that provided users with faster downloads and no limits. By the time Storman signed a September 2020 agreement with Nintendo to shut the site down, he said he was deriving $800 a month from the site. According to court documents, Storman's income is now derived primarily from unemployment and food stamps. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. In a motion for dismissal, uh, Storman invoked the safe harbor protections of the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, arguing that he was just a neutral service provider for users sharing files. He also pointed out that he had agreed to Nintendo's DMCA takedown requests in the past. During the, a de- uh, deposition, though, Nintendo got Storman to admit that he had uploaded Nintendo's copyrighted ROM files himself, obliterating any attempts at a safe harbor claim. Mm-hmm. Another attempted Storman defense, uh, based on the first sale doctrine, also failed to go anywhere, which the site was dis- uh, distributing copies rather than Storman's personal property. Storman also angered Nintendo and the court by failing to respect an order to provide communications with his website administrators and data showing how many times each of the pirated videos had been downloaded. In September 2020, Storman said that the data was no longer available, leading Nintendo to allege that he had destroyed it. While Nintendo originally claimed that Romverse was responsible for hundreds of thousands of copyrighted downloads, that number was lowered to 50,000 based on evidence gleaned from screenshots of the site. Nintendo argued that each download cost it between $20 and $60, the average cost of new games it sells, and that it had therefore lost between $1 and $3 million in revenue. In providing summary judgment for Nintendo, as noted by Torrent Freak, uh, the judge suggested that it was a clear case of infringement, one in which there is no genuine issue of material fact that plaintiff owns the copyrighted works and defendant copied the works. While Nintendo sought $4.41 million in copyright damages, or $90,000 each for 49 games, uh, the judge lowered the amount to $1.715 million, or $35,000 per work. That amount should be sufficient to compensate plaintiff for his lost revenue and deter defendant, uh, who is currently unemployed and has already shut down the website. <clears throat> the judge also awarded an additional 400000 for ROM Universe's uh, use of Nintendo's trademarks box art, down from a massive $11.2 million ask, but Stormman avoided a permanent injunction on future infringement, with the judge suggesting that there was no irreparable harm given the monetary damages and the fact that the site had already been shuttered. Can you believe that? This is a gray area that I'm going to get into, which is I think Nintendo needs to hire somebody that's able to port games over to, or a team that's able to port games. They need to at least have games that are able to be ported to other consoles. I think they have an issue with not being, not, they have exclusivity to their games. Yeah, yeah. You know, even even when people say PlayStation exclusive or Microsoft exclusive, you know what I mean? They don't actually mean that. They mean that you get the game for three months ahead of somebody well, else. Well, sometimes they're PlayStation exclusive, but they're not like exclusive, exclusive where Nintendo has just Mario games for Nintendo. Right, it's right, right. Like you, you can't even buy original Mario for PlayStation. Or you, Xbox or you, PC. You know well, what I mean? You could do PC, like, but it's like I, even Even old games that aren't even making money anymore, you know um, what I mean? Like... 
like uh, d- just all kinds of games that have uh, like cross-platform mm-hmm. play as of right now. Because we, weren't we just talking about cross-platform cross play? Cross-platform play, yeah. <clears throat> like, I think uh, it needs to happen. Really, I mean, this was before the podcast. Cross-platform yeah, play really needs to happen more often now than ever because I feel like it would give better community service to just community guidance as well as community mm-hmm. feedback overall mm-hmm. to any game that has cross-play. Right, right, exactly. Whether it, it comes down to, you know, controller functionality or, you know, like there's so much constructive criticism that can be given from different kinds of controllers and stuff like yeah. that, you know what I mean? And different machines to run these different things, you know? Yeah. I, and uh, I think it, they're really limiting themselves in a way that, you know, they don't, like Nintendo sells Nintendo games, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and if you don't, if you're not super, super passionate about Nintendo games, why would you get a Nintendo console? Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I think they're in the lower rungs right now versus like the Microsoft versus Sony, they, uh, like think- who are titans in the industry i mean not saying nintendo Uh isn't a titan you know what i mean but it's not in it's not the top two you know what i mean yeah like it's not like it's it's in the top three but yeah uh the thing is is that i feel like they should at least let their stuff kind of like port over to other stuff they have other games porting over to their stuff now right but they should at least let i know it's because in the past they did let that happen and it well, it, well, you know, even even Sony with their exclusive games have ported their games over to PC. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and and even offer some of them for Xbox now. Yeah. Like it's it it's not like they're keeping them forever. You know what I mean? Whereas Nintendo has kept them forever. Yeah. You know, and and they have canceled games and gotten mm-hmm. rid of games, so then you can't buy them anymore yeah. just for money grabs, the, and... the emulators and stuff like that, as such as this website. But the thing is, I do understand where they're coming from. Where this guy basically just stole the data for these games. Oh yeah, and... no, no, no. I get where they're coming from, but I'm just saying something needs to happen to prevent this from happening. I you know. know what I mean? I feel... Like if they had their own own paid service where you can buy the fucking game on mm. on PlayStation cuz you know maybe I maybe I don't want to turn around and buy a brand new console to only exactly. play your games yeah. you know what i mean like i don't i don't want to like you think you're such hot shit but you don't have not not saying that they don't have AAA titles but they don't they're not they're not having these like super 4K fucking like awesome looking games you know what mm. i mean they're having more childish like family fun type games yeah. if you understand what i mean and that's just i that's their niche i get it you know what i mean like it's like it's like kids games to me when i think nintendo you know what i mean yeah i'm not thinking about rated m for mature you i can know what think I mean? of like, a few m games that they have but they're not, not they're right not right right not saying that, that it's it completely exclusive to uh like e for everyone like games but it's but, not really more known for that right that's what i'm saying like uh that so it doesn't really reach towards adults like yeah. it does reach towards adults don't get me don't get me wrong Obviously, they make money. You know what I mean. I'm not. I'm not a CEO money. or anything. But that's just my two cents on it. Like I uh-huh. feel like Nintendo needs to, and, and I agree with you. I feel like Nintendo needs to share. I, I think everybody needs to just share. I know there's consoles, but maybe in the future, everybody right. will collectively come together. This will take like forever. Collectively come together to make one mega console that will outlast a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> they just call it Genesis. <laughs> not sega genesis yeah. or anything like just genesis. Just, just genesis yeah 
Uh, we or, were talking about cross platform. Or alien cubed. Or yeah, alien cubed. <laughs> it's ready to play one at that point. <laughs> uh, with the omni platform, you know, um, like walking device. Oh my god, yeah. Uh, but as we're talking about cross platform. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why we were talking about cross platform. Uh-huh. But anyway, PlayStation users have been uh, are left out of three cross-platform features. No, Borderlands 3 cross-platform. Borderlands 3, sorry. Uh, 3 yeah. cross-platform features. <laughs> Borderlands 3 players on Xbox consoles, Windows Stadia, and the Mac. And the Mac. Jeez, oh, that's intimidating. <laughs> it says that, I know. <laughs> you know what? Like, I'm just kind of... And Mac. And Mac. Yeah. There we go. We'll soon be able to band together across platforms thanks to a coming crossplay update. But players on the PS4 and PS5 will be left out of that group and will be forced to play only with other users on the PlayStation Network. Damn it, Sony. I know. Gearbox co-founder and CEO Randy Pitchford uh, discussed the situation in a tweet Thursday morning saying that an update for Borderlands 3 has been prepared for release that includes full crossplay uh, support across all platforms, but that for certification, we have been required by the publisher, presumably Take Two, to remove crossplay uh, support for PlayStation consoles. <clears throat> Sony, you may remember, uh, consistently blocked cross-platform capabilities on PlayStation consoles for years before finally opened up its walled garden to cross-platform play in late 2018. Even after that, though, some developers publicly accused Sony of playing favorites regarding which f- specific games were allowed to use that feature. Very true. I honestly believe that. Yeah, when the when we did turn on crossplay, uh, we wanted to make sure we had thought out all the different ramifications of crossplay, cross purchase, cross progress. Uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment <clears throat> Worldwide Studios. That's such a long name. Very like, long did, name. I know. I didn't even realize Sony Interactive. Sony- S I E W S C. No, 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 no. Oh, no. Chairman, chairman. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, S I E W S. Uh, <laughs> You're going to keep going. S C L T G I. C ways. Right. C was. C was. All right, we need to stop. C was chairman, Lawn. Sean. Lawn. I said Lawn Shaden. Wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Uh, Sean Layden told Game Informer in early 2019, those are all three very discrete aspects of what crossplay is. And there are decisions you make in pro- provisioning those different pieces of it that if you she make awaits. it quick and hasty and it's the wrong decision, you can put yourself in a corner real fast and that prevents scalability over time and the ability to bring people in a secure and safe way. What the fuck are you talking about? Just put them in crossplay. I know, I know. Like I think people just want it and it's not like people are afraid or I don't I think it's because of Xbox their their chat issue. Oh yeah, no. Xbox has an issue with people being being very racist in chat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it yeah. has always been that way for I know, a long time. I know. That's what I'm saying. Racist, that's what I'm saying. non-PC, and PC, and PlayStation has been very lean, very more not lenient. They're not lenient they're at all. Strict like about it. they've and, been very strict about it because they don't really accept racism or anything like that, which is completely acceptable. Like if you can't come up with a fucking insult besides the color of somebody's fucking skin, like you're an idiot. It's not it's like not you're just you're racist. an actual it's just, idiot. It's non-PC culture. 
culture is what it is. Xbox very full. Well, because, I'm just I was just making a statement about racist. No, yeah, like no, if if you literally cannot definitely. come up with a smarter insult than the <laughs> color of somebody, someone, you, yeah. well, you're black, N word or something like uh-huh. that. You know what I mean? Or you're Mexican, and then they start using those slurs too. You know, uh-huh. like fuck those people. Yeah. Those are those are awful people, and I I've heard it on Xbox before. That's why I don't really play uh, COD that much because I can still hear that whenever I play COD. Yeah, I don't like it. Like, but <laughs> but you know something that I uh, like like about the PS5 controller, but hate about the PS5 controller is that it has a mic included in it. <laughs> it has a mic in it. Yeah. Like, so if you don't mute the mic, then they can hear you talking on the game. You've heard people. No, no, I'm not saying that that I've heard people. People have heard me and told oh, me to shut up. You oh. know what I mean? Like they're like, "Can you please just like shut the fuck up?" And I was like, "But it comes out of my my mic like in because there's a mic and a speaker inside of the controller." Yeah, like it, it's just a really jam packed so controller. Your, your controller talks back to you. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does, and it's fucked up. It scares the shit out of me that, every time. That, man. The PlayStation Five is a crazy weird, crazy machine. You said it turns itself on and off. Uh, oh yeah, like if you cut your TV on, like it has a feature to where it just cuts on when your TV cuts on. That's crazy. I mean, I could cut it off. But I know, I know, but I know still, how to now, but like it's still crazy because now it's like kind of a my lot. LG remote like works with the PS5. So if I cut the TV on with the LG remote, the PS5 cuts on, and I can control the PS5 with my LG remote. It's it's somewhat alive now. <laughs> I know, I know. It's so smart. You it's know so what smart, I mean? Scary smart. Yeah, right. Like the VacuBot 9000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, so while we were talking about exclusives and stuff like that... Um, this makes me a little sad. Yeah, Bioshock 4 could be exclusive to PS5, according to Insider. I hope it's a timed exclusive, and that's fine It's most me. likely a timed exclusive. I would like it to be, like, because before we get into it... It's fine if it's a game that's that started out as an exclusive, but a game that ha- did not start as a, as an exclusive, that's really limiting the player base, the fan base especially, because that's limiting. It's a thirst trap for PS Five. Honestly, it's, it that, really that's is. literally that's literally what it is. And like, I don't like. And you can't that. even fucking access one right now, so I don't understand the thirst trap. You know what I mean? Like, if you can't keep the fucking like if you can't keep it on the shelves you know I, i'm very lucky to have been like you got chosen. very lucky didn't you try like five times oh no no more than that yeah. like i try I, I tried like 10 15 20 times like now, just by myself and then uh it finally happened early in the morning like it was like seven o'clock in the morning and I was up by chance. 30 uh 30 uh what is it? the 3080 ti 30 well not or no 30, the 30 just 30 30s in general the 30 series shorty yeah short uh shortage of that so now they can't really even make more of the consoles so that's right. even worse the dlss yeah. man cryptocurrency is really bringing this shit down which yeah i mean cryptocurrency is cool, cool. like we're like making our own money and stuff but like but please stop taking, it's expensive stop taking the the, right. the the rtx's i need those for buying a new console at some point yeah dude, uh, i but, have to buy a new freaking workstation pc yeah yikes yeah but uh 10 grand bye bye <laughs> Literally. You might need a new PC for Bioshock 4. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm going to get it anyway. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going to get it if it comes out as a time exclusive. I, I don't know whenever this comes out, but you're going to talk about it as a time exclusive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
so there we don't have a lot to go off of on this situation you know what i mean but it's just some rumors that just popped up out of insider that i just wanted to briefly talk about for a second you know uh uh playstation you you've you've come to expect this like from playstation in the last few years like games like you know final fantasy the remake and uh near automata were exclusive to ps4 for a set period of time before uh, later going to other, you know, consoles and stuff like that. So Sony's continuing that trend with titles such as Final Fantasy, uh, what is that, 16, 16? Uh, Ghostwire Tokyo and Deathloop. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, like, just timed exclusives. That's really uh, the, the, main, the main thing that we were talking about. But uh, everything remains to be seen. What will actually come to pass? You know, uh, 2K Games and Bioshock 4 developer Cloud Chamber haven't announced anything about the new installment in the series outside the fact that it's simply in the works. Uh, while it will surely release solely for next-gen hardware, uh, no specifics related to the game's release have been given. As such, there is a possibility that exclusivity could be in the cards. I want it to be a timed exclusive if possible. Also, well, I I'm positive it's going to be a timed exclusive please. because the game originally wasn't like like that. You no, know what I mean? It like it was released. It was released everywhere. Yeah. Which, first off, this is one of my favorite series of all time. Please don't do this to me. <laughs> and I because I, I I loved Infinite. I loved the first series and the second the second uh, the second game. And I want to see what they do with this new one because I've heard it's going to be a new RPG element. I know not everybody's fine with that because Bioshock is kind of a linear story. RPG kind of means more open, but I feel like for a Bio- open for customizing your character. That's really all that it means. More, more well, no, like not, it has a buildable. Uh, well, like o- like open world in a sense where you're going gotcha. back and forth and stuff like that. Gotcha. Bioshock already kind of has that sensibility, but it really has a linear story that you need to follow. Right. Where you, but like, if it gives you that. Well, yeah, like these new games. I was telling you, like Quantic Dreams. You uh, know what I mean? Like they, they, the these decision based games are, are like the new hit, the the new trend. And I and I completely understand why because yeah. it makes you feel like your game is customized towards Bio- your behaviors. Bio- you know what I mean? Yeah. And Bioshock being one of the original games that started that that severe like your opinion your opinions matter as well as uh what you what the story does and twists uh happens and stuff like that uh as well it basically opened up that idea of uh storytelling so having the bioshock game have that uh that that um (laughs) sorry discord just kind of make a bleep right um that kind of uh decision making because i also heard that it might have the fallout style of choosing the uh the uh fuck dialogue so you would be able to choose like what you want to say to a person where instead it had it just like straight narrative for you right right uh which i think is better uh, in a Me sense too, like for customization for of customization. your character right. so please take your time with this may if it's going to be an exclusive make it a timed exclusive and don't and I know Cloud Chamber is a new the studio entirely. They made the studio entirely for this game. So and I think it's made up of, of people from Irrational Games a bit, which did develop the Bioshock games. But the guy who the director of Bioshock is not at- attached to it, which is sad. But I hope that they are able to do a homage to like the game itself because right. it is a very popular and very well done series. Um, which did change the kind of like game aspect of of storytelling like for 
like every game after it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, please don't fuck it up. <laughs> uh, speaking of fuck ups, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this is kind of like an update from last week because last week we were explaining about how, like, a year later, uh, the the Ubisoft uh, accusations had not been resolved yeah. you know like all the those those big issues had not been resolved and nothing had changed inside of the company mm-hmm. and uh like so through the wave of accusations from last year they that had a minimal impact on the company's culture the ceo uh the ceo's son charlie uh Guillemot resigns from the company Cool. Like in the in the midst of this, uh, so Charlie Guillemont, the son of Ubisoft uh, CEO uh, Yves Guillemont, has resigned from the company, as reported by Axios. Charlie Guillemont was co-head of Ubisoft's Alliant, uh, alongside Remy Pellerin, both of whom announced their departure from the company internally last week in order to pursue new opportunities. AKA, uh, like they probably got accused of something and had yeah. to step down or, so. or, uh, they, they want to step down before the wind catches up with the news. You mm. know what I mean? Yeah. But anyway, a Ubisoft spokesperson provided GameSpot with the following statement. We can confirm that Remy Pellerin and Charlie Guillemot have stepped down from the roles as, at Alliant to pursue new opportunities. We wish them all the best for their future endeavors. Maybe that's, they're doing the brain box. That's, um... <laughs> that's, <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm the, kidding. The, the, that that's statement really sounds like something happened. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, it, it comes at this turbulent time for Ubisoft. Uh, after, you know, that whole investigative report by French publication Le Telegram uh, that Ubisoft's efforts to combat the issues raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> One of the main issues... Uh, was that some of the executives who have allegations against them were still in the company. That was, like, a really big thing. Yeah. So, like, pretty much, it, it's, like, pointing the finger at them and saying that they got they definitely got accused of something. And either they're going to get prosecuted or they get fired. Yeah. One or the other. Uh, but uh, both Charlie Guillemot and Pellerin have managed Alliance since 2014. The smaller studio does not work on Ubisoft's flagship titles like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed. Instead, creating smaller titles... Alliant is the studio responsible for Tom Clancy's Elite Squad, which caused a controversy in August last year after using the Black Lives Matter raised fist image as a logo for the antagonist organization in the game. Mm. Bad timing. Mm. That's just bad timing. Well, the like, they probably just had. Is the raised fist logo actually originally from Black Lives Matter? Is that before? No, that the I mean, like I think that that's original, like uh, Black Power movement. Okay. Like that's a Black Power movement yeah, okay. thing. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, uh, from like the 60s and 70s okay, and stuff yeah, like no, that you it, know what i mean but uh yeah they, <laughs> using they it use as an oh my god that's as such the antagonist a... organization in the game but like with the timing that wouldn't have nobody would have paid attention to the symbolism you know mm-hmm. had it not been in the news and in everybody's I face every fucking day i do kind of want to see what this looks like yeah yeah uh, but Axios reports that employees at Ubisoft previously expressed frustration over Charlie, a Guillemot family member, getting the opportunity to run a studio straight out of grad school. They also report that the pair are departing to start a new studio together. However, nothing has been confirmed. Oh, that's not good. What? <laughs> Let me see it. It really does just... It's just exactly ripped off. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I think that's I think such a bad it, thing. It's to a rebellion. It looks like a rebellion group, like what the propaganda photo is. Right. But it's the antag. It's the. It's the. It, fo- like I said, it's the timing in the news. It's, yeah, it really is bad. It, it's not good. Um, right. But since we're still on the political aspect, I'm going to get a little bit political here. First off, uh, we got a new Far Cry game coming out, Far Cry Six, which is kind of set in like a Cuban, uh, like island and stuff like that. Um, at first, it was said it won't be political. And this was came out from Yeah, the, that, that's like three days ago. They, they, were, like, they ago. were like, yeah, yeah, we're going to make this statement and say, hey, we, are, we're, we promise you we're not going to be political. And then today happens. Yeah, Far Cry Nerd, the director, says our story is political. Which, in my opinion, I think this is not a bad, a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing as long as they do it right. And they don't try to... Well, no, like they could, they you can do whatever you want in whatever creative medium that you want. It's just a matter of uh, your audience and yeah. who you're aiming for. You know what I mean? Like if his audience is is Cubans, then fuck it. You Here, know what I I'm mean? Gonna, like I'm whatever. Gonna... Like I'll still play a game that was aimed at, at Cubans. You know what I mean? Like it's not aimed at Cubans, but I'm gonna talk about specifically. But but you know what I mean? Yeah. Far... Like yeah, there's a lot of been stuff about coming out about Far Cry Six, which I think looks awesome. There's a bunch of new cool things like. There's backpacks that you get for your character that have new... What's the studio that does Far Cry again? Ubisoft. Ubisoft. Of course they do. It's Ubisoft. It was on the tip of my tongue and I was like, I I just said this. I have played Far Cry games. I have played Far Cry 3, Far Cry 4 a little bit, Far Cry Blood Dragon, which was fun. What was um, the one primal? Primal, primal yeah, is the primal. one where you went back in time. That's okay, but that was like a. That's experiment. the only one that I really even. Uh, it's also it's like survival based. You rise up against. I heard stuff. it wasn't like the rest of the game, but I, it was decent. Like it, you play as back in time, which I think would be cool. But uh, Far Cry Five was very controversial because it was set in like uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, and had very like. Hick red uh, like redneck characters and stuff like that in South Dakota. It, it was like antagonist stuff, and it was like cult like. Oh. And that was a re- I played a bit of that. That was a fun one to play. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, that- speaking of that, while I was watching a uh, Quiet Place Part Two yeah. today, like you know those doc people that like had that little child stick a uh-huh. rope around his neck. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh uh. <clears throat> I, w- I said out loud, I was like, I'm getting major Outlast 2 vibes, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I literally, like, literally, I was like, oh, dude, I, it was creeping me out. Uh-huh. Like, that, they should have, he, he should have run more with that, like, yeah. instead of them just immediately getting destroyed, you know what I mean? Like, they really should have run with that. Far, but... I'm pretty sure part three will probably have more of those crazy fucking people. Um, but like love, uh, love and monsters, love monsters, yeah, yeah, like those people. <coughs> oh my god, yes, definitely. But uh, speaking of, we have uh, we after Far Cry Five, Far Cry New Dawn came, which was like a post-apocalyptic, and now we got Far Cry Six, which is set before the apocalypse. I'm guessing it borrows some obvious visual trappings from the island of Cuba, particularly the cars and architecture. But narrative director Navid. Um, Kavari said in an interview last week that the game is not meant to be a political statement about what's happening in Cuba specifically. It's a reasonable position to take, but it is widely interpreted to mean that Far Cry 6 wasn't political at all. A pretty wild thing to say about a game built around a revolution against the fascist dictator of a Caribbean island. So, yeah. Um, Which is played by the actor who did Moff Gideon. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Mothman. Mothman. Um, it was an understandable reaction, and to the extent Ubisoft has never been particularly good about addressing questions regarding the political nation or nature of its games. In 2018, for instance, Ubisoft Ubis, uh, CEO Yves uh, Guillemot acknowledged that its games are political but strive to remain neutral, while editorial vice president... Pre- president Tommy Me over here playing <coughs> Tropico Six. <Yeah. laughs> Tommy Francois said a year later that Ubisoft makes mature video games rather than political ones. It's all a bit difficult to sort, but especially so coming from the company that made, for instance, Ghost Recon Wildlands, a big-budget shooter about inserting a team and U.S. commandos into a sovereign nation for uh, for some of the off-the-books, ma'am. I played Ghost Recon Wildlands. That game is fucking great. You get sent into Bolivia to take down a uh, cocaine regime. It's it's really fun, and you control your own like four-man team. Um, yeah. yeah, I played some Ghost Recon games before. Uh, I can't remember which one I played. It was on PSP. Yeah, uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands is very fun. I highly recommend it if you can get your hands on it. Um, uh, a response was strong enough to prompt Kavari to go deeper on the matter in an update posted today, which is he explicitly states that our story is political. Our story is about a modern revolution must be, Kavari wrote. There are hard, relevant discussions in Far Cry 6 about the conditions that lead to the rise of fascism in a nation, the cost of imperialism, forced labor, the need of free and fair elections, LGBTQ plus rights, and more within the context of Yar, the fictional island in the Caribbean. Kavari said Far Cry 6 developers took inspiration not just from Cuba, but also other countries around the world that have experienced political revolutions in their histories. It was they, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Advanced Warfare. I played that one. I played that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one was pretty good. Yeah. Like I, I just wanted to say, like the Ghost Recon games are. Ghost Recon fun. games are fun. I, if you want to get another one, Wildlands is the one I highly recommend. Really, you control your own four-man squad. Really fun to do. Uh, you just go around tanking Bolivia, and then the 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 the, D, the DLCs are very very worth it. Like I have so much fun playing Tom Clancy. Oh, games, you would like... love the you would love the new one, and it's very real. It's kind. It's pretty realistic in the sense so uh but yeah no it's very big too um shit i lost my place (laughs) (laughs) sorry i I, I put you on the tangent oh here we go uh they worked with people who could speak personally to the history and culture of the inspirations and consulted with experts to ensure the story is told with sensitivity the conversations and research done on the perspectives of those who fought revolutions in the late 1950s early 1960s and beyond are absolutely reflected in our story and characters kavari wrote but if anyone is seeking a simplified binary political statement specifically on a current political climate in cuba they won't find it i am from a family that has endured the consequences of revolution i have debated revolution over the dinner table my entire life i can only speak for myself but it is a complex subject that should never be boiled down to one quote and i highly agree with that if you're going to talk about politics you have to talk about the whole aspect of it right you can't talk about just one thing and sent and focus on that one thing which i think very much today i know we're not really political but if we really want to get into it politics these days really focus on the one minute thing that stands out and they center on that and they forget about all the rest of it and that's basic our our today's basic politics and i i 
and that it really sucks. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I like that they're focusing more on like the whole aspect of it, like the effects, the causes, uh, the revolution itself, as well as looking at the other side of the revolution, like the people who are not just the resistance, but the government itself. Right. Like you take both sides into account. You focus on that, and that's how you make world building better. That's how you create a very flushed out. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> flushed out world. That uh, really has life to it. Um, Kavari asked players to let their story speak for itself before judging its politics and regardless of what you think of Ubisoft's storytelling ambitions. And personally, <coughs> uh, personally, not sure to call any Far Cry game especially complex, although Far Cry 2 took a good crack at it. Um, it's fair to, it's a fair request though for them to do it. Um, so this game comes out in October 7th. Um, there has been gameplay of it first week, which I thought was really cool. It looks really fun um, and very explosive and hyperactive, and I feel like it's going to be a fun one. Maybe if things go over uh, as this game comes out and it gets into uh, some deep water, hopefully it doesn't get pulled. Right. Uh, because I know this is an ambitious project for them. It definitely looks like a more ambitious project than the past Far Cry games. Um, speaking of ambitious projects, though, <clears throat> Crisis. Ever heard of that game before? Crisis is the game known for destroying computers because if you could run it at the highest frame rate, then you are godlike because that game uh, um, apparently has graphics that can melt uh, CPUs. So, <laughs> really, uh, the game is very well known for for having like the like gra like if you have your graphics settings high enough. On, on that game itself, it can destroy your computer if you don't have a, a good computer. Like, it's it's very well known for that, but Crisis is getting remastered. It's also a very fun game because I played all three of them. Crisis Remastered Trilogy is launching sometimes this fall, which is really awesome. The package includes last year's modernized version of Crisis as well as the remasters of Crisis 2 and 3 to run on modern consoles and PC. The bundle is a result of development partnership between Crytek and Saber Interactive. <clears throat> While Crisis Remastered launched as a standalone title last summer, this is the first time that the second and third games have been shined on for the modern encore. Officially, Crytek hasn't delivered a specific upgrade to those games will, will receive, but Crisis Remastered boosted improved visuals with a re resolution up to 8K as well as an HDR and ray tracing. While you wait for Crytek to confirm the technical details, you can get a visual sense of the improvements by watching the teaser trailer below. This game, the games are very fun. I remember playing these games. I've played all three of them, and they're very, very fun. Uh, basically, makes you feel like a superhuman. <laughs> so, really? Yeah. Um, I was just looking up some stuff about Saber Interactive. Saber Interactive has made a shit ton of stuff. Like, lots of stuff. Yeah. Crytek yeah. is the people that have made specifically Crisis. Which, if you just look up Crisis, uh, can you run Crisis? Like, that's a very famous meme from when it came out. Uh, uh, <laughs> just, can you run Crisis? <clears throat> like, uh, can it run Doom? Can you run Crisis on Windows 8? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is Crisis still hard to run? Uh, so the gist of it is, yes, it's very optimized for all the settings except the highest where it turns into a very, very hard game to run. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's very poorly optimized for what the game is. What uh, year did the first game come out? Uh, Early 2000s. Really? Yeah, like 2004? 
I think it was like not even. It, was, it might have been late 2000s. I can't remember exactly. Uh, 2008. No, 2007. Yeah, 2007. <clears throat> not bad. Crisis 2 came in 2012. Crisis 3 came in 2013. Both games were great. All games were great. It makes you feel like a superhuman. Uh, but yeah, you got that coming out later this year. Yeah, but speaking of uh, superhumans, you know. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so a game I've been playing in the a wild game that just came out two weeks ago, by or the over this weekend. I cannot remember. Biomutant. Um, Biomutant has mixed reviews. People have been saying um, it's it's combat's fun. I agree, the combat is fun. Some people say the combat is difficult and very hard. The dialogue is very weird, which it is very weird. Uh, it needs. It has some areas that are buggy. I know some people were interested in how the game is uh, and wanted more, but the game is like Breath of the Wild. That is the best way I can explain it. It's a big open world where it <clears throat> where it feels a bit empty, but it is filled. Um, but it's just really spread out. Breath of the Wild had that same context, but except it was backed by Nintendo. This is backed by THQ Nordic, uh, made by an entire independent studio called Experiment 101. So this is not really a well-known company. Um, in my opinion, I like this game a lot. I It is a game that I really have fun with because I love the crafting. I love the, the gun crafting, the... The ability to craft your own weapons, like I was able to put. A, I like the character customization. The character customization is so much fun. Plus, yeah. you, uh, plus, I think more people just kind of play the base set of it. They don't really get into it because as you get into it, there's times where you're able to basically mutate your person uh, to change their like look and appearance, right? Uh, which is really fun. You can make their fur color different entirely. Uh, you can the resistance. The resistance you can upgrade and stuff like that. You get yeah. suits that help you. And you get, like, your automaton, which is a little robot. You get more stuff that helps you out. For it. It's really fun. I love the game a lot. Uh, and I like how big it is and stuff like that. It is a game that you can put, like, probably 60 hours into it and fully and stuff like that. And that seems like a lot. But it is getting updates uh, for this first patch because uh, people is talking about tackling dialogue problems alongside combat. The developers at Experiment 101 have announced that they're working on an update for Biomutant actually that they hope to get player into players' hands soon. The update will include work on some of the community's most persistent bugbears like the pacing and dialogues, which I find really weird because it has them speaking gibberish and then it has it has the narrator, which is like a big thing. It's like the person who talks about the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of talk the dialogue and it gets really weird. I know you watch PewDiePie. He turned that off kind of or he like cut it so it didn't work like that. Yeah. But it had the gibberish talk and then the narrator talk. So it got really, really confusing. So they're going to kind of fix that. You couldn't really talk, turn the narrator off so um, right let's see like the pacing of dialogue narrator settings difficulty settings and video settings like depth of field motion blur loot and enemy tuning as well as sound and combat weird dialogue pacing as well as persistent and constant narration have been key notes for many players though you can turn down the constant chatter from the narrator you can't turn it off key for some people me included is a promise to change video settings and depth of field and motion blur some people don't like those 
I do not like them. I find them okay. This game. I don't like motion blur. Yeah, no, that's uh, a, that's depth of field doesn't really bother me. It's an opinion so. thing. I yeah. think I think they should have had it in the first place. But I, I like that they're putting patch notes in. Like right. this is this is a game that came out that had anticipation. It in my opinion, I knew it was going to be fun for me. I didn't think it was going to be fun for everybody. The combat looks really really complex and weird. In my opinion, I like the combat. It's not for everybody. I think that there is things that you can t- uh, fine tune about the combat which i find that they're gonna do with this patch right uh the game is it has an average rating that's what i would say it's an i, I wouldn't say it's a so the, like six or seven it has a six six point five seven in some places but yeah average rating for the most part like people are like yeah this game's fun it's beautiful it's great it just needs some fine tuning so yeah i'm glad that the first patch is going to be taking all the problems firsthand that they that they're uh, that the uh, community is really talking about. In my opinion, I find the game great, um, but I really like to see what else they do with it because I really enjoy. <laughs> I really enjoy this game. Um, what else did I say? Uh, oh yeah, there's mods out there for the game too on PC if you can find them that kind of update the game and stuff like that, in whatever way you want. So. Uh, go find those if you really want to. If you have a PC, uh, right? If we're while we're still talking about mods and patches, though, uh, Minecraft Caves and Cliffs Part One drops on the eighth, so seven days from today. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, well, yeah, I guess it's because it's Tuesday. Yeah, it's, it's June first. No, yeah, June first. So seven days from today. Yeah. Uh, but with new blocks and mobs, so uh, both editions of Minecraft, Bedrock, and Javel will get part one of the Caves and Cliffs update on June 8th. Developer Mojang has confirmed the latest patch, which includes new blocks and mobs, will be available on mobile devices, Nintendo Switch, PC, PS4, PS5, Xbox One, a- anything that runs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything that runs uh, Minecraft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, three new mobs will be added with this update. The underwater creatures, axolotls, uh, the Minecraft Earth exclusive glow squid, and goats. Though axolotls only attack drowned, they're mostly harmless. The same goes for the glow squids. Goats, on the other hand, are the most aggressive of the three new mobs in the mi- in Minecraft, headbutting players whenever possible. Yeah. Right off, yeeting you right the fuck off the cliff. The goat is just looking for some trouble. Looking for some dang trouble. The goat is just looking for some trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on top of the three mobs, Caves and Cliffs brings 91 new blocks to Minecraft. This includes amethyst, copper, and drip leaves. But Mojang said the rest might be uh, trickier to discover. Uh, players can switch to creative mode to get immediate access to all of the new Minecraft content. This is just the first part of the massive update. Mojang split Caves and Cliffs in two to focus on the much bigger changes, which thank God they did. Yeah. Thank you. Like, thank you, Mojang. Like, Mojang knows what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And they've kept a successful game for over 10 years. Like, this game has been around since, like, what, 2008? Yeah. 2009, 2010. 2009? Yeah. Yeah, something like and that. And were... that's as long as I've been playing it. I mm. illegally downloaded Minecraft the first time that I played it. Uh, uh, even though they, it was uh, paying for betas. Yeah. Um... It was absolutely insane. I know some people. I remember are... when they added redstone. Like that's <laughs> that's like literally that changed changed a lot of things because people started learning how to use redstone in fantastic ways. Right. Um, but uh, people are 
uh, sad <laughs> that they they should people say uh, I know some people are like okay they should have just left it and left the uh, released the whole package as one which one I feel like is kind of no sad. no like because I they think had people like anticipated for the summer so they should have so I think it's good that they released part of it at least the fun the the fun parts and stuff like that right instead of going <clears> into <throat> a full change where they fully change the entire scope of mountains as well as caves itself right because what's gonna happen I don't think people really understand this fully or have comprehended this. This will change the game and how it's played forever. That is a loud beat for me to brush my teeth. I was not ready for that. That scared the I shit know. out of I me. I wasn't ready for that either. I forgot. I had that alarm. I almost dropped my phone. <laughs> I forgot that I had an alarm to tell me to brush my teeth. Oh, my it's God. Just, it's so late right oh now. Oh, my God. Um, but, uh, shit, I lost my place because that was so loud. Um, programming takes time, especially with how Mojang does their code, because I've, I've seen it. It's very, uh, spaghetti-like. Um, but you know what? I think they have a method to it, and they really work it together. So, and code takes a while to do, as well as programming. And you know what? For a game like this, um, and how much stuff they're really changing, because, uh, this, if you have a game saved where you have built stuff underground, the terrain is going to forever change that. I don't know how that's going to fuck everything up. Right. Honestly, this it it it's probably gonna mess with some people's builds, um, <laughs> uh, so uh, you can only probably play it in the past versions. The new version is definitely gonna change up some stuff. Right. Um. So, but that gets launched later this year. It'll be cool. We're gonna have to get back into this because apparently there's a new DLC being dropped, which I. <sighs> Why. <laughs> You know what? Yeah, um, you know what? I, I saw this and I haven't clicked so fast on something. I almost broke my fucking finger. Uh, <laughs> ben 10 Minecraft crossover DLC is now live, folks. Ben 10 and Minecraft have finally crossed over. Were you dreaming of this? Mm. Because I was. <laughs> um, uh, and, the, and the results are now live on the Minecraft marketplace. Based on a blog post announcing the move, the DLC pack includes both bespoke story content as well as additions to the game's free roam mode. In the new story mode, Ben, Gwen, and Grandpa Max need to recover lost alien DNA from the Omnitrix. Apparently, it's pretty easy to lose some alien DNA when you can turn into hundreds of different forms. But uh, Ben can transform into many different alien heroes across the adventure to defeat foes such as Vilgax, Zumbozo, and Kevin Eleven, who is 10% more powerful than Ben, according to our calculations. (laughs) fucking... Funny. Oh my I God. know, it's hilarious. But uh, if you're looking to check out all of Ben's alien forms, you can jump into the free roam mode to give them a test drive. It seems that Ben's various outfits will give him interesting powers, such as the ability to fly or move quickly. Additionally, you can grab Ben's shirt as a free character creator item, which oh, yeah. is like, it's great. hell yeah, bro. But uh, in other Minecraft news, the game recently received... Uh, this is the stuff we talked about before. Huh? Oh yeah, my bad. Yeah, there's Th- a- this one was supposed to go before the other one it's fine it's okay but yeah uh ben 10 is now in minecraft be excited <laughs> hype, hype hype but um, uh speaking of something that's really hype right now like overly hyped tiktok i funny reddit everybody's fucking simping remember, again it's, and it's not lady d it's not my tall amazonian lady romanian lady d no. you know what i mean it's fucking samsung's uh, uh anime assistant yeah that's taking over the internet. 
Uh, <laughs> wow. It seems like Hot Girl Summer doesn't just apply to those of flesh and blood these days. Am I right? Am I right? It turns out Samsung is reportedly on track to bring out a new virtual assistant in the vein of several hugely popular anime mascots. As you can see uh, in this picture below, like uh, on the article. It's all guys... over the place. Just look it up. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It's like you might as well. They sh- they should have just hired Miku. You know what I mean? <laughs> Miku and Samsung. Yeah. Miku X Samsung, and they ha- and they sell blue Samsung phones. Oh my god. I'd buy one. Anyway, uh, the whole thing began when w- reports surfaced regarding Samsung's new virtual assistant technology. Insider said the company is working on a new assistant to replace its 2D take on Bigsby. And if the rumors are true, Sam is the name of the new assistant. Screenshots surfaced online of Sam, a, co- a courtesy of Lightform Studios. The production house went on to share details of what Sam will be able to do. At this point, no official word has been given about by Sam about Sam, Samsung about Sam, but fans are banking on her debut. After all, some hardcore anime fans are willing to ditch their current phone just to meet Sam, but others aren't so enamored. And as for Sam, well, we're sure the girl just wants to do her job no matter what her loyalty to Samsung looks like. Everybody so. is going over this girl. Yeah, they're Everybody, simping. They're yeah, simping like woo heavily. Uh-huh. It's insane. Um, yeah. So we're on our last article. Last of the day. article of the day, and it's similar to the last article of the day last week. Right. Um, as it was also an Infinity Gauntlet, but you could wear it and stuff like this. This one you really can't wear, but you can display. As it is, a Lego reveals a 590 piece Infinity Gauntlet set from Marvel's Infinity War and Endgame. This is not the Nano Gauntlet that uh, that Iron Man gets. This is the actual Infinity Gauntlet that Thanos wears throughout the the two films. Right. Um, Lego has revealed a cool 590 590-piece ni- model building set of the Infinity Gauntlet that Thanos wielding in Marvel's Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, appropriately. The Lego build features reticulating fingers and a set of infinity stones. Don't worry though, they aren't real and they won't wipe half out out half of the living things in the universe. You can make it you can make it look like it's snapping. Right, right. You can take out the gems of course. Um, it looks pretty cool. It looks very well de- designed. Um, yeah you can click on the article right now and what's just check the, it out. What's the price? I'm gonna get to that. Uh shit, where did it? I thought I did. It should have one. Oh, it's a pre-order delivery. Um, it's probably like one hundred twenty-four. Um, no, seventy dollars. Seventy bucks. Seventy wow. bucks. So why don't you get it before it sells out? Because it looks cool. Do I have to build it? Yeah, you have to build it. Oh, well, that's cool. <laughs> what do you think? It's Lego. <laughs> well, that, that don't mean shit. Lego is a movie, and you don't have to build that. Okay. <laughs> that is a very. <laughs> Very true statement. I don't know how exactly, that works. Exactly. Oh, and on that note... Um, yeah, no, this thing comes out August 1st, 2021 for pre-order, so you better get it while it's... La- well, get it while it's hot. Yeah, get it while it's hot, because I know people are going to make this a collector's item. Right. All right, well, uh, I believe that's it, and we'll be back on track this weekend with some with some weekend content for oh, you guys. Nice. So. so we're going to have... Full, full blown stuff for you. Yeah, full blown. Mm-hmm. Full blown. Thanks for listening to the Spitting Nonsense podcast. If you enjoyed anything we talked about and want to support or talk to us, we have included all the links you need at the Spitting Nonsense podcast on Discord. The link is posted in the description. Thanks again for listening.